get intimate with your inner critic. Welcome to The Lavender Lifestyle, the podcast on personal growth and lifestyle design. My name's Eileen, and I'm here to guide you to become a master artist of life. Every Sunday, you'll get new insight and inspiration on how to create your dream life. After the episode, the conversation continues in our Lavender Lifestyle Facebook group, so I can't wait to see you there. Life is an art. Make it your masterpiece. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Lavender Lifestyle. It's your host, Eileen. Today's episode is all about self-worth and managing your inner critic. But before I get into it, I wanna let you know about the new Create Your Dream Life course that I created. I'm super excited about it. It's a six-week program to untapping your true potential and making your dream life a reality. So it's filled with videos, worksheets, and bonuses to work on yourself and your life. And enrollment is open now at lavender.com slash dreamlife. So if you're interested in learning more just check out the link there if you've done the dream life series before it's basically the dream life series on steroids it is more in depth with more information more videos more worksheets and i'm absolutely confident that it will change your life so i hope you check it out So our guest today is actually coming back on the podcast a second time because you guys loved her first episode so much, I wanted to bring her back on. Her name is Andrea Owen. Life coach, author, hellraiser, Andrea Owen is passionate about empowering women to value themselves and fiercely love who they are. She helps high-achieving women let go of perfectionism, control, and isolation, and choosing courage and confidence instead. You can learn more at yourkickasslife.com. Hello, Andrea. Welcome back to The Lavender Lifestyle. Thank you so much for coming back. I'm excited to be here again. I'm, I'm just super pumped to dig into some really juicy topics. Me too. So the reason I invited you back, I didn't tell you this earlier, but your episode was one of the most listened to like Lavender oh. Lifestyle podcast episodes. And Thanks, everybody. Yeah, they really, really loved it. It's such a great topic. And I think the, the title of your book and that podcast sure. catches people's eye. So you were really mm-hmm. smart with how to not feel like mm-hmm. shit, right? It's, it's a great title and you're you're really great. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you for having me back. And thank you listeners for, for listening the first time. <laughs> yeah. So we talked about your story last time. So if you listeners haven't heard that episode, Mm -hmm. I'll link it in the show notes. But today I want to dive deep into self-worth. So can we really explain like, why don't we feel good enough? It's something that everyone struggles with. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Everyone. It's such a universal feeling and experience for people. And I think if you're asking the question of where it comes from, it can come from a handful of different places. And it can be helpful for people to sort of connect the dots, but I don't necessarily think people need to dwell on it. I think people can get stuck there sometimes, you know, was it this or was it that? And Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, what really matters you know, obviously, unless you have trauma and things like that, I invite people to to do a more of a deep dive into where it comes from. But what really matters is where you are now and where you want to go. But to answer the question, it can come from a handful of different things. It can come from your family of origin, depending, you know, as a parent myself, we do the best we can. Yeah. <laughs> I know that my parents did the same and mm-hmm. they were also raised by flawed humans and did the best that they could. And so inevitably, I think our families create some beliefs about ourselves and that feeling of not enoughness. So that can happen to varying degrees within your family of origin. Mm -hmm. It also can come from our culture. I mean, I don't really think anyone can argue that, especially for women, we are bombarded 
pretty constantly with messaging that we are not enough, that we need to either be thinner or more beautiful or have different kind of hair or skin or bodies, different clothes. You know, if we just do this over here, then we will finally be happy. Then we can meet the person of our dreams. Then we can find our purpose, et cetera, et cetera. Which of course we're all striving for companionship and and a better life and those things. But really if you take a look around, we are pretty constantly bombarded and and just are made to be fundamentally insecure, to Mm -hmm. feel insecure about ourselves through the media and our culture. And so the other one can be from any kind of past relationship that you've had outside of your family, and that might be friendships that you had. For many people, it can be specifically an intimate and romantic relationship that they had that was either you know, on the spectrum, it could have been abusive or it could have been just somebody said some kind of crappy things to you that get embedded into your mind and into your spirit. And it can all sort of just create this all around feeling of not feeling enough. Yeah. And it seems like it's some, most of the times it's the people closest to you that kind of start this. I mean, it's not on purpose, you know, like your parents (laughs) or your loved ones. So this feeling of not feeling good enough, how does it manifest in our lives? Like I know it's like perfection, avoidance. Mm -hmm. What are all the ways? It can manifest exactly, you said it, a lot of different ways. So the most obvious and the ones that I deal with, like in my work, it it manifests as perfectionism. It can manifest for many as numbing out. You know, you don't want to feel that feeling of not enough. So we do things to numb out, which sometimes perfectionism can be a way to numb out. But what I'm thinking of Mm -hmm. is, you know, drinking too much or too much social media or the internet internet or, you know, eating. People can have all kinds of ways that they check out of their lives. And also for some, it can manifest as isolating and hiding out. So what what I mean by that is you just don't tell people what's really going on in your life and you're walking around telling people like, no, I'm fine. I'm good. It's all great. And really it's mm-hmm. not at all. And so, and again, those are probably just the most common ways off the top of my head, how it, how it manifests and just feels like shit too. Just that all around feeling yeah. of just, and then we tend to make decisions from that place or not make decisions from that place. And that's when you hear in personal development, the whole concept of playing small. Yes. That's what that is from because we live in that place of listening to our negative self-talk and not feeling enough. And for some people it's, there's shame involved in it. And so that's what creates people's lives where they don't know what's wrong with them. And Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's because this is the foundation of it. Yeah. And I love that you use the phrase playing small because I feel like most people play small without realizing that they're doing it. And it takes courage to take risks and try to overcome Mm -hmm. this. But most people, they just, that's their default and how they live their life. Sure. And it's it's called being human because here's what I always say about when I'm talking about Shame and the inner critic, you know, neg- also known as negative self-talk, they're mm-hmm. they're kind of one in the same. I always say like they're sort of like Siamese twins because your negative self-talk is that feeling of not good enough, that feeling of shame. It's basically manifested is the negative self-talk. Mm-hmm. And so when you are in that place, your negative self-talk, like just for sake of this conversation, we'll call it the inner critic. Your inner critic's one job is to keep you in your comfort zone. And your comfort Mm -hmm. zone is that place of not asking that person out, not asking for a raise, not applying for the promotion or the job that you want. Like that's staying in your comfort zone. (laughs) Not signing up for that marathon that you've been thinking about. And so it's doing its job. And it's not that I'm inviting people to like beat up their own inner critic. Like it's really just doing what it's supposed to do. So the trick is to 
know when it's in charge, like know when you've allowed that to be the director of your life Mm -hmm. and make different choices. Yeah. So how do we start to listen to that inner critic and stop it from directing our lives? Oh gosh, where do I even start? This makes that question excites me so much. Like that blows my skirt up right there. Okay, I'm glad because <laughs> I could talk I, about this all day. I have oh totally keynotes and everything. Like this is definitely my wheelhouse. And the reason I get so excited about it, honestly, is because when people ask me, because I talk about a whole spectrum of different things when it comes to personal development. Like the the basket is large of things that we talk about mm-hmm. and. Sometimes I get the question, if there's just like one thing that you can help people with, you know, if you only have five minutes to talk to somebody, what are, what is the one thing that you're going to talk to them about? And I always say, don't ask me that. Cause that's like asking me to choose between my two children. So I'm going to talk about two things. <laughs> one of them is values is getting really clear on what it is that's important about the way you live your life. And the other one is this is the conversation you're having with yourself. And so mm. really I, I have a, you know, a step-by-step process that I take people through and I want to start before I even get into that, is that this is a lifelong process. This is not something you're going to listen to this podcast and have it all figured out and go about the rest of your life. You know, just everything's great because I have managed my inner critic. It is something that I personally still, I was just up on stage speaking at a festival in Amsterdam. What was it last week or the week before maybe? And something was going on in the audience and my own inner critic was like, having a whole lot to say about it. And I was up there on stage, so ironic, talking about the inner critic while simultaneously managing my own. And I walked away from that just thinking, you know what? Like that is just a testimony to this is just a lifelong thing that we all work on. Mm -hmm. And that's what you can do if you really commit to working on it. Like the the multitasking, really, I was kind of proud of. But I digress. I just wanted to get that part (laughs) out of the way because – it, I just want to emphasize that this is something that if you commit to it, it can change your life and you'll be committing to it for the rest of your life. So I just said a lot. Right. I'm going to pause if you have any side questions before I continue. <laughs> I get it. It makes total sense because I think people think it's something that they just have to get over their fear or beat this inner mm-hmm. critic once, but it it's ongoing. And as, as you grow, your comfort zone grows as well. So there's going to be new things that right. get you feeling insecure and and not good enough or something. So it's just ongoing. So yeah, it's that saying, have you heard that saying new level, new devil? Oh, I haven't. That's a good one though. Yeah, it's true. It's a, it points to directly what you just said. And I'm sure that you, you know, having this podcast and watching it grow and watching your own business grow, like it's great and it's amazing and it's exciting. And at the same time, then you reach a level where you're like, can I can I like beat last year's goals? You know, can I reach more downloads? Like all these things. And then, and then new fears Mm -hmm. might come in. And there's also, I like to also the saying of new level old devil, because what can sometimes happen is your old wounds that you worked on with your therapist back in like, you know, Mm -hmm. 2012 (laughs) (laughs) might also come back when you reach a new level in your life. So it's a constant journey. Totally. Okay, so what are your steps? I'd love to know. (laughs) So the first one is to really understand and the what I say is get intimate with your inner critic. And Mm -hmm. I call it awareness. And for many people, they are super clear on this. They know 
what their triggers are. You know, there's different areas of your life where you might have inner critic chatter. So if you think about your career in your job, or you think about, you know, for those of you listening who are parents, parenting tends to be a big one for people, especially, well, I guess in all phases of parenting, but especially for new parents, new moms. Another area are your friendships, your romantic relationships, whether you're attached or not attached right now. Another one, especially for women, our bodies mm-hmm. and appearance tends to be our number one inner critic trigger. And I don't even, don't even get me started on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just really understand, you know, if you're scrolling through Instagram and you follow all of these fitness experts that have six packs and they're doing these videos and you're watching their stories and, and comparing your body to theirs and your inner critic starts to tell you all of the not nice things about you. So that's the awareness of knowing when your inner critic gets the loudest. I would start there. And then your next step is going to be to truly pay attention and know when it happens. So, so it's the what and then it's the when. So mm-hmm. you can't really the – way, the way I describe it is like if you had a party at your house the night before and you get up the next morning to clean up and it's, say it's like still kind of dark and you know maybe your parents are coming over for brunch or something, and the very first thing that you're going to do is you're going to turn the lights on. Like you have to see what you're working with in order to actually do the work on it And sometimes that can be the most painful part, right? Can we just like ignore the messy kitchen? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Pretend it's not there. No, you actually Mm -hmm. do need to uncover it. And so what I invite people to do is, is again, that first step, know what exactly it is that your inner critic says to you and when and pay attention to when it's happening. And then the next step is to have a short mantra and – a mantra is, is simply a powerful statement that uh, many people use it in meditation for chanting and things like that. I tend to use it as a more or less a pattern interrupter because backing up again a little bit, your brain, like the really great news that we know from brain science is that our brains are malleable. Unfortunately, neural pathways have been created in your brain that thoughts tend to run down. So if you, again, like let's use that same example if you're on Instagram and you're scrolling through and maybe you are, you had a knee injury and you haven't worked out for six months or something like that and you've, you're not super happy about your fitness. So then you start beating yourself up. Like your brain, the neural pathways have been created and your thoughts just run like wildfire down that way. So the great news is that our brains are malleable and they can mm. literally be retrained and rewired. Like brain, there's so many self-help books that talk about this. Positive psychology talks about this a lot and how you can rewire your brain and rewire your thoughts. And so the mantra is creating a pattern interrupter. So I'm not Mm -hmm. sitting here asking you to change your thoughts. I mean, I love personal development, Eileen, I do, but there's some personal development advice where I'm like debilitating eye roll. Like you, (laughs) people who think that they can just change their thoughts like that, when you are sitting there comparing yourself to other people, I, I, I don't think it's realistic for right. you to be able to naturally go, walk into a, oh, no, but I think I'm actually the, the hottest. I have the hottest body in North America. I am going to win the swimsuit award. You know, like, like no, <laughs> just interrupt the pattern of thought. So your mantra might yeah. be – mine that I use all the time is a simple statement, and all I say is, well, that just happened. Oh, so it's like a simple, it doesn't even have to be like a positive thought, but right. something to catch your attention, right? Acknowledgement. Acknowledge. Yes. 
Oh, and, okay. Yeah, so it's you said it. It's a simple statement, and it's neutral. So okay. it's not necessarily positive, and it's not negative either. So I'm not telling my inner critic to piss off or mm-hmm. shut up. Yeah. That doesn't tend to work either. And what I have found is the most helpful are these short statements. A lot of my clients just simply use the word stop, and they envision like a red stop sign. Mm. Some people will say, thanks for sharing but yeah. not today. Right. <laughs> you know, it's just an acknowledgement of it. And also it's quick because who has time to sit down and like recite all these positive affirmations? I certainly don't. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just realizing that you've been triggered and that you say the mantra to stop the pattern of thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I want to add one more thing before I pause is that, yes, you will have to do this over and over and over again. You have been speaking to yourself a certain way for decades. You're essentially learning to build a muscle. You're Mm -hmm. kind of learning a new language. And so this is something you're going to have to commit to and work on for a pretty decent period of time before your brain gets rewired and kept like that. The win I want to be for people is that they catch themselves quickly in Mm. the thought instead of letting it run away from them. And then hours later, you can't figure out why you have canceled plans with people. You've (laughs) lashed out at your dog. You started a fight with your partner. Well, it's because of that, you know, it's like, I want the the gap to get closed of just noticing your thoughts, saying your mantra and moving on. I think this is huge. And I think, well, I don't know if people are into meditating, that might help too, because it seems Uh like what you're training yourself to do is like observing your thoughts rather than thinking that you are your thoughts. Like there are some people that I I know in my life that they truly believe that their thoughts are them and they can't separate that. Mm -hmm. But our brain just it thinks like thousands of thoughts per day. Like you are, you're not actively thinking all those thoughts. It just happens. Exactly. And the average person, there's some brain science and I cannot remember the source of it right now, but I did look it up to make sure that it wasn't just some like made up stat. Mm -hmm. But the average person has 12 to 60,000 thoughts per day. Wow. And I don't want to stereotype, but I know your audience is mostly women. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they are. (laughs) Men tend to be really good at not having like the, the, I always tell my husband, I said, I feel like I have 37 browsers open at all times in my mind. (laughs) Yeah. The the spinning. A lot of tabs. And so I think a lot of tabs open. Yeah. So I, I think that women tend to have a lot of thoughts per day. And then also 80% of those thoughts are repetitive from the so we truly are creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. And for the vast majority of those thoughts are negative. I think one stat that I heard was like 90% of our thoughts tend to be negative. Like this is astounding oh to me. This is also <laughs> unacceptable. Like if we want to yeah. truly change the world and, and mm-hmm. be happier. We need to we need to figure this out. We need to get a hold of our thoughts. Mm-hmm. It starts it with your mind. Mm-hmm. It really does. You know, after that, like I just want to again reiterate that this is something that you're going to need to commit to and work on. It's it's funny. I used to run a seven day challenge. I ran it. I don't know, maybe five times or so, and I would be around this work, and I would have people post in the Facebook group, and they'd say, so my inner critic chimed in today, and I said my mantra, and that was fine, and then two hours later, my inner critic came back and started talking to me to me again, and they're like, the shrug emoji at me, like, what gives, Andrea? And I'm like, <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> You're like, that's normal. You ha- yes, you are a human, and those those dang neural pathways. so keep on keeping on, that's, I just yeah. wanted to to circle back to that. And then also one of the things that I encourage people to do is to really think about 
what they can control in their lives in terms of what they're consuming. So if you're following, using that same example, like if you're following a bunch of accounts on social media, uh, you know, all with the hope that it would motivate you, but then it's actually making you feel completely crappy about yourself, Mm -hmm. maybe it's time to unfollow those accounts. Or if you are friends with a group of people who, you know, every spring start talking about what diet they're going to be on and how they need to lose weight because swimsuit season is coming up, like that kind of energy, like, and not that I'm saying you need to go out and make new friends. It's just how about if you just call it out and say, hey, I think we're all too awesome to get caught up in this. And Mm. what do you think if we change the subject? Or maybe if just change the subject and just pay attention to what you're consuming, either from the media or from social media, from the conversations that you're having with your friends. Because many times the conversations that we're having in our heads tend to come out of our mouth. So watch out for that. And then also, if you have to have, I mean, this, this might really go into the the deeper work that I do, but I think that we tend to not even realize that we accept advice from people or quote unquote encouragement from people. And it really is our own inner critic manifested. So I'll tell you a quick story to give you an example. When I first started my coaching business back in 2010, it was a difficult time. You know, we had just come out of the recession mm-hmm. of 08, 09. I know many of you listening <laughs> were probably very young then, and it <laughs> didn't really affect you, but I was a new mom, and it just was difficult, and I had a brand new business. I had two toddlers at home, and it was just, it was hard. And one after one particular rough day, my husband came home from work, and I was face down on the couch, and I was telling my, I was crying, and I'm telling my husband how hard it is, and I was trying to run a business, like, during nap time, which, like, don't let anybody fool you, everybody, like, this is impossible during my children's nap time, whoo, and I was thinking about trying to find childcare, and, like, can we afford it, and, like, woe is me, and just really telling him how difficult it was, and I'll never forget it, he was standing in the kitchen listening to me, and he was kind of leaning against the the doorway, <laughs> like eating something crunchy. I don't know. I don't know why I remember yeah. that. I think it was just partly because it was so annoying, like celery <laughs> or carrots or something. And he's like, crunch, crunch. And he's, he was trying to be so helpful. And he said, babe, why don't you just quit? Why don't you just quit until the kids are older? And it seems like it would be so much easier. To him, that was a logical solution. Like he's a fixer and he sees me crying. Like there is something hard going on. What is the solution? You can quit mm-hmm. and then do it, you know, when it's easier. But I remember in that moment feeling so defeated because my own inner critic was telling me, Uh. you should probably just quit because you're a failure, because this is too hard, other people are smarter than you. Yeah. You know, you know those thoughts, right? Like and hearing it from your husband. And so, how what effect did that right, make? Who was so well-meaning. Yeah. Right. His intentions were so much rooted in love. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell that story because I I do think that it can be imperative to your success, to your happiness, to your confidence, to have hard but loving conversations with people that we're closest to. So in retrospect, you know, that being nine years ago. And after some marriage counseling where we learned how to communicate. Because <laughs> at the time, I just wanted to tell him to shut up. But right. I didn't. I probably just kept crying and said, no, that might be a good idea. But it uh. wasn't. <laughs> and what I could have said was this. I could have said, I love that you want to support me so much and that you're trying to help. And 
what would help me so much in these moments when I'm face down on the couch is for you to just, and then you fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. So for me in that moment, what I really needed was for him to say, dang it, that sounds like you had a crap day. I'm so sorry. This is hard for you. And then just give me a hug. Yeah. That's it. You just want their support and a hug. (laughs) All I needed. Yeah. And that would have made me just seen in my struggle at that moment. Because the next morning I probably would have been just fine. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't tell people how we love to be supported and how we feel the most loved, how will they know? Yeah. We don't come with owner's manuals. Like that would be great. But we don't. And so it's, you know, in that moment it's on me. Like he can't read my mind. And yeah. he's, he thinks he's doing the best thing by giving me, offering up a solution. And so that was a kind of a, a hard lesson to learn. But in the end, I think that if we don't tell people how to support us, then we're just going to keep going around in circles and probably not getting the support that we need, as well as look for if there's people in our lives who echo what our inner critic is already telling us. Mm. if I'm thinking of that situation if it were me and like someone echoed what my inner critic said it might even be a wake-up call like wait that's not what I want to do so you, do you know what I mean it might have that effect give me an give me an example of that because I feel like you're thinking of something <laughs> no <laughs> it's because similar to your situation sometimes I like also break down and I like to complain just because you like to let your emotions like run yeah. wild sometimes because it feels good to just let it out and then if my boyfriend were to say like yeah just quit or or just just do it just just stop and then I'll be like no I don't yeah. want to <laughs> and then and then you kind of wake mm-hmm. up and you're like, no, you're wrong. That's not what I want. All I want to do is like vent a yes. little bit right now. And I think it depends you know? on the situation. I'm glad you brought that up because some people some people like to be challenged like that. And it really depends on the dynamic yeah. of the relationship. And there are some moments where had he said that, I might have had that reaction. And mm-hmm. and I'm I you and I must be similar because it's like somebody tells me to quit, that'll like get my fur up. You know, and I'm like, no, oh, watch yeah. me succeed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, sometimes it has that effect too. Depends I on mean, the it just depends on who's saying mm-hmm, it. For mm-hmm. sure. What will you do for your dreams in 2019? Introducing the Artist of Life Workbook and Daily Planner by Lavendaire, tools to help you create your best year in 2019. If you love journaling, self-discovery, creativity, and productivity, these are perfect for you. Filled with 125 pages of questions and exercises, the 2019 Artist of Life Workbook walks you through reflecting on your past year, setting goals and intentions for the new year, discovering yourself, staying committed to your goals, and tracking your progress monthly. The Daily Planner by Lavendaire is a tool to help you design a productive, effective, and meaningful day. The Artist of Life Workbook helps you plan a macro view of your life, while the Daily Planner helps you plan the micro. Together, these tools will help you build your dream life one page at a time. They're seriously life-changing and they make great gifts too. Go to shop.lavendaire.com to check them out. Sending you so much light. I also, because you said that if you had five minutes to talk, the other thing you would talk about is finding your values. Right. So can you share about that? Yeah, values was actually the last chapter of my second book, How to Stop Feeling Like Shit. And I really was torn with putting it at the very end because I know I know you people and myself included, sometimes we don't get all the way through self-help books. Mm-hmm. And 
at the end of the day, we did end up putting it last. And values is one of those things where it can feel really unsexy. It's like, ugh, don't I do this at work? You know, like the company <laughs> values and things like that. It's like boring. But I, I mean, people's minds are blown when they, I don't teach a single program without including this in there. Like, I don't care if you've been through a program with me before, you're going through values again. Mm-hmm. And what we essentially do is, ask yourself like the basic questions of what's important about the way you live your life and just really what's important to you, period. And a good way to realize what your values are is to think about what pisses you off. And the things that piss you off, there's a guaranteed value that's being stepped on in that moment. Mm, And it's values can also be tricky because we can have a lot of them. And there's a few things I want to say about it. I always get the question, how many values should I have? I don't care. Like, you have as many as you have. Yeah. <laughs> but the ones that I'm really, I'm really interested in are the ones that really need to show up for you when, for lack of a better term, shit hits the fan or you are faced with a really difficult decision. So, for instance, if something – is going on at work where it is not sitting right with you. I had, I'll give you an example. I had a client who worked at a company where there was like her direct manager was getting the credit for all these things and getting paid for all these things that she wasn't even involved in. And it was not sitting well. It wasn't fair. It wasn't in integrity. And my client was like, I don't want to say anything because it's going to cause all this drama and I just want to quit. And I was like, well, you could. Like, that's your option. You could quit and walk away. You could stay in the job and most likely nothing will change if you say nothing. Or you can say something and have a a conversation that you feel proud of, not like an explosion at work where you're yelling and pointing fingers and blaming because that's not really how people (laughs) feel proud of themselves. But like essentially those are your three options. And Mm -hmm. what it came down to is she had a value around courage and she had a value around integrity. It was like two of her biggest values. Mm -hmm. And so many times doing the difficult thing, and in this example, it was sitting down and having a meeting at work and saying, here's what's going on, and here's what's not okay with me, and here's my request. Mm -hmm. Here's what I would like to see change. She was terrified walking into that, but she was prepared. She was totally prepared. She knew exactly what she wanted to say. And also in those situations, it's really about – not being attached to the outcome. Because many times when we walk into some scenarios like that, we're attached to it being successful in our favor. And you know, this is going to go great if they give me a raise or if they do what I ask, if this person accepts my boundary. Well, not necessarily. Like, I want you to have the win be that you're proud of the person that you were when you showed mm-hmm. up. I cannot tell you how many times in my group programs or one-on-one Pretty much every time somebody has a conversation that they need to have with someone that they are terrified to do and they procrastinate and procrastinate and agonize over it until the cows come home, until they finally do it, mostly because I make them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and, the, and what I hear over and over again is the buildup that I made about that was way more scarier than the actual conversation. Yeah. I feel like that always happens. It's always you make it so big and scary in your head and you put it off for so long that, yeah, like it just feels better to get it off your chest if you just can. Just rip the Band-Aid off. Yeah, yeah, just face it and do it. Yeah, so. it is hard. But I digressed a little bit just from values in general and mm-hmm. 
And it really is about like your everyday life, your your values and what's important about the way you live your life, plus what are the top values that really are kind of your I guess like your north star mm-hmm. when things get really really difficult. And then and then one more thing I want to say about it is values is way more than just making a list of words. So I want to know what does that actually look like in your life? So just naming your values is sort of like naming your kid and calling that parenting. <laughs> like that's not that's not how it works. Right. Like you actually have to do the thing. So that's what same thing with values. Like if you have a value around honesty and integrity and creativity, like what does that look like on the ground level? For you, Eileen, like because that might look different than yeah. Jennifer over there. So just really, really understanding what the behaviors are around the value. Right. So the values and how you actually live it out. Right. The thing about values too is that we can talk about like creativity and like that's fun and, and you know, and, and enlightening and we, but then there are some of them like courage or integrity or trust. Whoo. Then you're, <laughs> then people start to sweat. <laughs> yeah. It's like scary. Well, it's like, you can say that that's your value, but when you ask yourself, okay, am I really living this value in my life? And most right. times it's like not 100%, you know? That's typically the majority of people's values. We call those aspired values. So it's mm. it's the ones that you're not living, but you want, like that's your goal basically. And right. again, like if someone has a list of 10 values, a lot of times nine of them are aspired values. Like that's kind of the whole mm-hmm. point. It's like, how do you, what's important about the way that you live your life? Like if you're listening to this podcast and you're into personal development, most likely like, again, the whole point, like you're trying to get to that place of betterment. Yeah. Yeah, which there's nothing wrong with no, that. No, that's why we're here. Is, yeah, everyone's on that journey. For sure. Awesome. So I'm going to move on to Facebook questions because we got a few questions from oh, our those. Facebook group. So Sumaira asked, how do you stop second-guessing yourself? Oh, speaking of trust. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's also an inner critic thing. It's, it can be directly related to your inner critic. So Samira, I would definitely listen to that a couple of times. And, mm-hmm. you know, if you, if you feel like reading my book, it's the chapter one and it's chapter one for a reason, because it is again, what something that I think is so important. So that for sure. And something we haven't talked about yet is, and it's interesting, this has been on my radar over the last couple of years in my own personal work that I'm doing. And so of course I end up talking about it on my own podcast and and it tends to come up with my clients as well, is the concept of self-trust. And do you trust yourself Mm. enough? And self-trust is one of those kind of like esoteric topics where it's like, what is it? How do we get there? And I don't (laughs) think, I don't know, in all of my, in my ripe old age of 44, I don't necessarily think that there is a sort of systematic way of getting there, how I think mm-hmm. that you gain self-trust, there are a couple things that will help it. I, you mentioned meditation. I think anything that you're doing to slow your brain down and sort of have that mind-body connection, that will help. Because when you're second-guessing yourself, you're all up in your head. Mm-hmm. The other thing I want to say about that is, in my opinion, self-trust is directly related to self-confidence. And I get that question all the time too. It's like, how do I gain more self-confidence? Mm-hmm. And my rant is this. I went off about it on a client right. one day and then ended up recording a podcast episode. <laughs> and by, by going off on a client, of course, it was like all from a place of love. Because you have to go out and do the things that scare you. 
in order to gain self-trust and gain self-confidence. And I'll tell you what, it doesn't always work out. It doesn't always work out in your favor. And sometimes, and I'm going to say like, if you go out and do the scary thing, it's pretty much a guarantee that eventually you will fall on your face Mm-hmm. in one form or another. Yeah. And the self-trust and the self-confidence comes from building the muscle of resilience. So getting up, having support around you, having self-compassion and becoming resilient. That is how you gain self-trust. And honestly, I think that you know, having walked that path before and I know your audience is, you know, 20s and 30s, listen, I'm going to tell mm-hmm. you what. Like <laughs> I didn't really start to get on that journey of self-confidence and self-trust until around my mid to late 30s. And I don't think that's the case wow. for any everyone. I do think that there are people who who find that before. But I think it comes from life experience and going after the thing that yeah. scares you. Like that's why I encourage people so much and get so fired up about stepping out of your comfort zone because that's where you will meet your most confident self. That's where you will meet your the part of you that trusts yourself that you can do the thing and be okay if the whole thing gets set on fire because that might happen too. I can't guarantee that it's always going to work out. (laughs) I totally agree. Like you have to do the things that scare you in order to like even have a chance to succeed. And once you do, like if you can do the thing, you'll be so proud of yourself and so confident. And like you mentioned, also be willing to accept if you fall, you know? Yeah, because honestly, like I've succeeded at a lot of things and I've also failed at a lot of things. And looking Mm -hmm. back, the things that I have failed at the most, like my first marriage, God, that went up in smoke, like, (laughs) and just so many other relationships and friendships and business things that I've done and jobs and talks that went, you know, hard conversations that went terribly. Those are the things that I've learned the most about myself and about my life and about what I can handle. And, and like, Spoiler alert, I can handle anything. And it's mm-hmm. it's really been – the times that I've succeeded, those have helped me grow too. But truly, truly, the times – and they have sucked. I'm not going to sit here and tell you, oh, it wasn't that bad. Like, it was bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was really painful. But that is really yeah. where you figure out what you're made of. Mm, I love it. Okay, our next Facebook question is by – Jennifer, she asked, how do I convince my inner critic that I have content that's meaningful to others and I have every right to be here and share my story? Because she says imposter syndrome is such a big issue for me. Yeah, I think that's such a great question. I love how she worded it because mm-hmm. the immediate thought I had was to give – Jennifer, I give you the exercise of writing letters to your inner critic. So it sounds like you already might have a decent relationship or, or, you know, obviously if you're, if you follow Eileen, you're into personal development. So I would have converse, you know, you know who, who really talks about this in such a fun way is Elizabeth Gilbert. When I mean, she talks about, oh, I love her. Yeah. she talks about, I think it's in big, her book, Big Magic. She talks about writing the a letter fear. to fear yes. and she does that, which fear and the inner critic, like same. Um, Mm -hmm. she does that before any big writing project and things like that. And so if you can find anything, I'm sure she's written blog posts or Facebook posts about that, but essentially she just acknowledges her fear and she acknowledges her inner critic and says, I get why you're so scared. I get why you think that my story doesn't matter. You want to keep me in my comfort zone. Remember it has one job. It's just trying to do one job and just see what comes out of that. So it's just about walking in and doing the work and understanding. I think on 
honestly, Jennifer, I think you have an advantage because you already recognize it. Mm-hmm. And then the next step I think would be, and a fun exercise, it'd be to write letters to it, talk to it, and just converse with it and and make the um, intention and declaration that you are going to go ahead and do it and that you're going to be okay on the other side. Yes. I love that. All right. So now I'm going to move on to some rapid fire questions for you. So are you ready? I think so. And I tend to be verbose, so I will be as rapid as possible. (laughs) It's fine. You can do whatever you want. You're my guest. (laughs) Okay. Andrea, what does your dream life look like? It looks like this right now. Honestly. I love I was just talking to my coach this week about it. And I was like, I started crying because I was like, 10 years ago, I dreamed of this. I dreamed of this moment now. Mm. And what scares me, again, doing my own work, what scares me is is what I'm about to enter is what people say a life beyond your wildest dreams because I can't mm. even see it yet. Like what happens What is beyond? next for me? Because like I've arrived. Like like the 2010 yeah. me, like the 2009 me dreamed of this moment in 2019. And so I'm here. So now I'm kind of like turning my head to the right and I'm like, what? what, what is beyond this curtain? I don't know. And so I'm just sort of reveling in that. That's, yeah. that's amazing. So are Thanks. you setting like bigger goals or are you just enjoying the moment? And they scare the crap out of me. Their financial goals, their, you know, audience size goals for speaking up on stages and book sales and things like that. So yeah, this is, just this week I had this realization on the phone with my own coach and I'm like, oh my God, this is what people mean when they say a life beyond (laughs) my wildest dreams. So I'm in the beyond stage right now. I'm so happy for you. That's great. Oh, thank you. I am too. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What is one book or resource that you recommend to everybody? For your audience, I am going to go ahead and go with my gut and say Kristen Neff's book. So it's Kristen with a K, um, Neff, N-E-F-F, and the book is called Self-Compassion. Okay. Thank you. I haven't heard of that one. Oh, it's good. Lots of exercises in there. So if we're talking about the inner critic, I feel like that would be a perfect extra resource for people. Okay, great. So we'll link that in the show notes. All right, next question. What is one habit that changed your life? The one that we just talked about, honestly. Recognizing Mm -hmm. your negative self-talk and working through it and choosing to walk away from it when it happens and continue to work on it. Yeah. So what is the best life or career advice that you've ever gotten? You know, probably from my dad and it's probably close to my heart. He passed away in 2016 and he always used to tell me, he would say peaks and valleys, honey, life is full of peaks and valleys. And it's, it's really an, an obvious one. Like, well, mm-hmm. of course that's how life is. But what that told me is that, you know, you're going to have the highs and you're going to have the joy and the bliss and the massive gratitude for your blessed, hashtag blessed life. And also you're going to have the valleys. You're going to have the times when you fall on your face, when you go through the breakup, when you leave the job, when you, you know, when people go in and out of your life. And in order to have the joy, the the hard times come with it. And that you just have to, instead of numbing mm-hmm. out, instead of trying to run away from it, and instead of trying to like spiritually bypass your way through it and like, no, good vibes only. Like sometimes life sucks, you know? And like mm-hmm. that's, it's truly like you yeah. got to take the good with the bad. Yeah. And it kind of helps you through like bad times because if you're going through a super tough time, then you just know like this is a valley. There will be a peak someday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. There will. this It's that old cliched saying of like this yeah. too shall pass. It is very true. I do true. think about that often. <laughs> Whether good, good or bad, it's like good. this too shall pass. Yeah, but revel in the positive. I mean, don't 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 oh, catastrophize. Sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, the last one. Finish the sentence. The most amazing part about life is 
the super, super small moments. Oh. You know, I was, I was just talking to a client this morning about it because she was worried about being in the present moment, you know, and she feels all this pressure to like be in the moment. And I'm like, what are you making up that means? Because we might have different definitions of it. And for her, you know, it, it, she felt like she needed to walk through life and like always be so present in every conversation and every single thing that she's doing it. And I was like, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's like these really small moments. And for me, it's like when I see my children, they're 11 and nine, like when I see them making each other laugh, that to me is like so much joy when I see someone that I care about even someone that I don't even know but like for someone to throw their head back in laughter like that like make gives me goosebumps all over my body I mean isn't it just amazing I love pictures of people who like are truly like where they're just like exposing their neck like that is (laughs) true joy yeah like like living it I Mm -hmm. take little snapshots of those moments and, and like, that's what love is. Like, that's the thing that truly connects us all as human beings. To me, that's seeing God. Like, it really is. And mm-hmm. that, I even forget what, how you worded I your question, that. but like, that's the meaning of life for me. Yeah. The most amazing part about life. That. Mm-hmm. That's like one of my favorite answers. Cause I can totally relate to like people watching and just like really admiring, just watching people and you know what I mean? And just watching people take care of each other in these small, yeah. beautiful moments. Like that yes. to me is is just gorgeous. Totally. All right, Andrea, where can we find you online? I am easy to find at my website, yourkickasslife.com. And come follow me on Instagram. That's my favorite place to hang out. And you'll see my Instagram stories of my dog, which I swear my dog is becoming more <laughs> popular than me. <laughs> yeah. I have a German short hair pointer and her t- everyone knows her, the names of her toys and everything. So that's where I like oh to have gosh. the most fun. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on again and sharing all of your wisdom. I loved it so much. And I know our listeners will as well. Thank you for having me. And thank you for asking such juicy questions. Awesome. Bye. Bye. All right. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Andrea Owen. Make sure you check out her website and her Instagram as well. Now I'm going to wrap up with some key takeaways that I got from this episode. So the first key takeaway is to go back and re-listen to her steps to managing your inner critic. So in short, the steps are to be aware of your inner critic, that negative self-talk that's happening. Catch it when it happens. Notice your triggers. Notice what you're saying and when you're saying it. So I would personally just like make note of it as well. If you journal, just like write it down on a notepad or even on your phone, like the triggers and what your voice is telling you. And then she says, put a stop to that inner critic by using a mantra or some short phrase to just kind of get you to wake up. Her phrase is, well, that just happened. And your phrase could be anything else like, I see, (laughs) or thank you for sharing. It could be whatever you want it to be, whatever is helpful to you, but it's a practice to learn to turn on a different part of your brain, the observer part of your brain to like monitor your thoughts and be aware of what you're saying. Another thing that we talked about that I really enjoyed was developing self-trust. And I like that she brought that out because I've actually never used that term self-trust, 
but it really applies to you being able to trust yourself and trust your gut, trust your ability to make decisions, and also like you being able to trust that you are capable of achieving your goals. The key to developing that kind of self-trust is to do what scares you and be willing to fail. Because when you do what scares you, whether you succeed or fail, you're going to be proud of yourself for even taking the courage to do that thing in the first place. And being proud of yourself breeds confidence. So if you succeed, you'll be confident because you're like, hey, I took a risk and I did that and that is really cool and it will boost your morale and it will boost your self-trust for the future. But also if you fail, you will learn so much and you'll grow stronger because of it. And when you're stronger, you'll be a more confident person as well. So I think in both cases, as long as you do the thing that scares you, you will develop self-confidence and eventually develop self-trust. So if you're super into this and you want to do more inner work on yourself and remove all the blocks that are holding you back in your life, I highly recommend you check out the Create Your Dream Life course that I recently launched. So in six weeks, we'll lead you through untapping your true potential and making your dream life a reality. So it's really step-by-step with a bunch of videos and worksheets and stuff, and I'm super excited about it. So to learn more, just go to lavendare.com slash dream life, lavendare.com slash dream life. All right, I will talk to you guys next time. All right, that's it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening to The Lavender Lifestyle. If you like this podcast, please show your support by leaving a review on iTunes. Next, make sure you check out the 2019 Artist of Life workbook and the Daily Planner by Lavender on my website, lavender.com/shop. Lastly, you can catch me on YouTube and Instagram at Lavender where I have even more content for the artist of life. Sending you so much love. Bye.